Crossroads support groups meet on Monday evenings and provide practical solutions to real-life problems in a Christ-centered atmosphere. These small communities provide the opportunities for people to work together in order to come away whole from a broken place. You do not have to be a member of Crossroads to attend. Everyone is welcome. You can learn more and register in the atrium today. The Crossroads Worship Arts Academy is a fine arts school offering instruction in the arts for all ages. Whether you want to learn a new skill or improve on one that you already have, the Worship Arts Academy probably has a class for it. The Academy offers more than 40 classes, photography, graphic design, painting, adult tap dancing, hip hop, and ballroom dancing, just to name a few. Registration for the winter semester is going on now, so stop by the atrium today for more information. Tickets are now on sale for the Worship Arts Academy's production of The Christmas Post. Put on by your middle school and high school vocal ensembles, this family musical is sure to fill you with the joy of the true meaning of Christmas. Tickets are $10, so stop by the Resource Center or the Worship Arts Academy to purchase yours today. Hey students, even though fall programming has come to a close, January is just around the corner and all of your favorite events will be back in full swing. New Community for grades six through eight will resume on January 11th. Access for high school students will resume on January 18th and Light Company for grades one through five on January 21st. Hope to see you there. Breakout is a unique experience historically attended by about 1,200 middle school students from all over the Tri-State. The night begins here at Crossroads on Friday, January 16th with music and entertainment. Then we break out to six different venues throughout the night, wrapping up at six o'clock the next morning with donuts. Pre-register and $35 will get you 12 hours of insanity and a t-shirt to prove you're a part of it. If you miss pre-registration, the price for walk-ins is bumped up to $50. So get registered today. As we continue celebrating the Christmas season here at Crossroads, join us on Christmas Eve for one of our four traditional candlelight services at 2, 3.30, 5, and 11 p.m. To register or to find more information on these and other events, visit cccgo.com or stop by the Connection Center as you leave today.
Christmas is coming, the bells are ringing. Hope comes alive as music fills the air. Put your hands together, let's worship the Creator, the Lord of all heaven and earth. Let's clap. 
so much. Please be seated. Well, welcome. I'm glad you're here today. It's good to see you. Christmas at Crossroads. It's an annual celebration. The best way I could describe this is it's like a, a, a Christmas party for Jesus. We want to recognize him as the guest of honor, and we don't expect you to bring like physical presence, but your presence here, your whole engagement into this worship experience means the world to him and such an encouragement to the rest of us. And so thank you for coming. Thank you for celebrating Jesus' birthday with us in this grand and wonderful way. Now, while Jesus is the guest of honor, we know that there are other guests with us in our mix, and we just want to say welcome to you as well. And whether you're in the chapel or here in the worship center, as you leave today, there's a big orange wall to the left and right of the worship center, and as you exit the chapel, you'll see it there. It says, Guest Gathering. Stop by there if you would. we got a cup of coffee for you, a gift, a handshake, just our way of saying thank you for being with us. Well, we're in the middle of Christmas season at the Bussy household. Uh, many of you know uh, I've got a 7-year-old, I've got a 5-year-old, and so all the majesty and the mystery, the, the joys of Christmas are really vibrant and alive in our home. Uh, last Saturday, uh, we were in the living room together. My 7-year-old son Noah comes up and says, hey, you know where mom's iPad is? I'd like to use it for a little bit. So we'll find the iPad. He gets it. He goes, I've got some questions to ask my old friend Siri. <laughs> okay. So he's over there. He's on the couch. We're all in the room. And he goes, Siri, are fairies for real? We had just watched Peter Pan earlier that week. And uh, so the mind was the fresh on his mind. And Siri goes, I do not know. I have never met one before. That's good. Then he goes, Siri, is Santa Claus for real? We're looking up, and, uh, and we're kind of wondering where this is going to go. And I think Siri had to pause, too, because she goes, just a moment. And, so, and then she comes back, and she goes, let's just say that Siri isn't the only one who knows if you've been naughty or nice. He looks up. He's like, oh, okay. 
So I thought those were good. Secrets are safe with Siri. That's what we know. So anyhow, um, lots of exciting things going on in our home. We got a great morning in front of you here over the next hour or so. Uh, it's a huge celebration. We want you to be fully engaged with it and recognize that you're doing that with some, some pretty special people next to you. So as you stand, greet them, introduce yourself by name. You can wish them Merry Christmas or you might ask them a question you would ask Siri. Just whatever it's on your mind. Hope so.
like to invite our servers to begin preparation for the Lord's Supper. What child is this who laid to rest? I think over the past 2,000 years, a lot of people, very intelligent people, have tried to wrap their arms around just what a tremendous gift is inside of that manger that was given over 2,000 years ago. Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, No eye has seen nor ear has heard that which God has prepared for them. And he was talking about Jesus Christ, the gospel that came through Jesus. He also went on to say that if anybody was in Christ, that they're a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. We may not understand a whole lot about Jesus, but we can certainly understand that when he came to earth, he brought something very precious and transformative to our lives. And now for many of us, embracing the new, that's an exciting venture. But if we're also to be realistic with ourselves, sometimes letting go of the old uh, is a challenge. Back to our home, um, we have got the Christmas presents bought for the kids. We know what we're going to get. They're already wrapped. They're locked away in a safe and secure place. And uh, we're really excited. I know they're great toys because half of them are things I wish I had when I was a kid. So... Um, really excited about what is to come. But part of this routine is that we go up into their toy closet with Noah and Micah, and we ask them to begin the process of getting rid of those toys that are broken, but those toys that have been gently used, that they've outgrown, and to take those and prepare to send them off to Goodwill. An activity which is akin to asking them to give up their firstborn child. <laughs> they just don't get it. I mean, we're talking about like half of a Happy Meal over here, you know, a toy and they can't seem to just part with it. And I go, if only you knew what's to come, this thing would just not matter. And then you think about when we grow up as adults, we do the same thing. Behold, the new has come. And yet we find ourselves grasping so desperately to the old. It's a closet that needs to be cleaned out. And each week at Crossroads Christian Church, we have this unique opportunity to reflect on the new that has come and to look into our closets and to sort to put those things away in the past, the broken hurts, the disappointments, our own shame, the guilt of our actions, to put those things away. And we do this around the Lord's table. In just a moment, our servers are going to come forward. They're going to distribute those elements. And we'll give you time to hold on to those, to reflect on what child is this, this child that went to the cross for our sin who made us new creations in Jesus Christ. This child who says that the new has come, you can let go of the old. And we'll give you time to do that, to reflect on the newness of the, of the life in Christ and to, to just come to terms with things in the past and to let it go. And when you're personally prepared in your heart to partake, you take those elements and uh, partake of them. And then we'll continue on with our worship service. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. It's a tremendous gift, this new creation, this good thing that has come. And we now ask you to help us remember the significance of that and also to examine the closet of our life and to help us to put away those deeds and those actions and those hurts in the past and to put them in the past. And that we can do that because of what you've done for us and because of the gift that you've given to us. Guide us now in this conversation, we pray. Amen.
servers are now beginning preparation for the Lord, uh, for the collection of our offering. And as they do, I invite you to pray with me yet again. Father, thank you as new creations, we have an opportunity to be carriers of the gospel, to take it here, near, and far away. And as we now receive our tithes and offerings, we're reminded of a special partnership that you've allowed us to be good news. And we celebrate that. Amen.
weekend. Last night, people were packed shoulder to shoulder from front to back in the chapel in this room, setting up chairs in the atrium. Again at 9 o'clock, a full house, and again this morning. And it's beautiful to look out here and uh, see your faces. It's a beautiful thing to hear this kind of music that lifts us up and impresses on us the reality that God visited this world, the Creator God visited this world in the person of His Son. And because of that, around this room you'll also see these these uh, greeneries that are draped between the pillars, and there are ornaments hanging off of this greenery. There are over 1,500 ornaments, and there are over 1,500 names on those ornaments of people that we want to see come to Christ, people that we want to see in the fellowship of Crossroads beginning next weekend and in the days ahead. And it's a beautiful thing to anticipate the prospect of adding new life to our church family, our church body. And those of you who are in the chapel, you'll see those ornaments. And you'll also see that around the edge of the worship center, there are tables. There are three on this side, three on that side, and there are red shirts on those tables. And those red shirts have the words, I am new, inscribed on them. And I want you to identify those tables right now because later on in our service, I will want to direct you there. Well, has anyone besides me noticed that these days there seems to be an obsession with all things new? This Christmas season, the new electronics are flying off the shelves. Just a few days ago, people stood in line for hours in front of Best Buy stores on Black Friday. A few people even paid someone to stand in line for them overnight so they could get the new uh, iPhone 6 or the new iPad Air 2. And then in the spring of 2015, we'll have the new Apple iWatch, complete with highly polished stainless steel, a sapphire crystal, the choice of three leather bands, and a new band made from high-performance fluoroelastomer whatever the Dickens that is. <laughs> and then, of course, if anyone ever has a financial windfall, the first thing they want to do is go out and buy a new car. And the stereotypical game show host reveals what is considered to be the ultimate prize in a game show, a brand new car. And then there are the new styles of clothing as designers manipulate us to go from longer to shorter. They manipulate us to go from stripes to plaids. They manipulate us to go from those loose-fitting baggy jeans to tight-fitting skinny jeans. And some people are even obsessed with getting a new face. And so we have makeovers. I think we've got a few shots. Not bad. Yes, I see the change, indeed, and uh, yes, for sure. And, you know, when I look at pictures of these makeovers, I think, I've always said, if the barn needs painting, paint it. So they painted their barn. But then some people, <laughs> some people, they didn't work out quite so well. 
Yeah, these are kind of some plastic surgeries that went bad. You'll recognize a few of those faces. And along at the top of masthead, the Martians have landed. <laughs> now that wasn't very nice. I, I should not have said it, please. But suffice it to say, a new face does not necessarily mean a better face. But this is all external stuff, isn't it? This is all external stuff. And if we're being totally honest, some of us might rather have a different kind of new this Christmas. Some of you would love to have a, a new marriage, not new electronics, but a new marriage. Some of you would be glad to have a new family, and you'll pass on the new car. Maybe you need a new relationship with your teenager more than you need new clothes. Or maybe you need a new motivation on your job a lot more than a new face. In short, some of us would rather have a new, improved life this Christmas. So is that even possible? Well, the writers of self-help books certainly hope so. There are literally thousands of titles for sale out there. Self-improvement is an $11 billion a year industry today. And every year at this time of year, people make New Year's resolutions. It's an attempt to make yourself new so people will resolve to lose weight, to stop smoking or drinking, to exercise more, to spend less, to be more patient. And don't get me wrong, I think it's a good thing for us to have goals to achieve that will elevate our quality of life. But statistics show that most of these resolutions we make each year are broken in the first three to six weeks. And for some of us, it might be three to six days. So if new stuff doesn't infuse our lives with lasting fulfillment, and if a new face won't necessarily make us feel better about ourselves indefinitely, and if the self-improvement gurus can't guarantee the permanent change we desire, what's left? Well, in our better moments, we must realize that deep and satisfying newness can only be produced in us supernaturally. We're incapable of generating it on our own. But when Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, when He came to earth, He brought the newness that we desire most. He has made all things new. And look at this conditional promise found in a single verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. That's it. That's it in a single exclamatory statement from Scripture. It tells us that that because Jesus came, because of the incarnation, we have the possibility of a new identity. We have the possibility of a new character. We have the possibility of a new life. We have a new identity. Did you catch it? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, notice the word anyone, anyone. Our Heavenly Father is not willing that any should perish. His love and grace are all-inclusive. His, de his destiny for each of us, His destiny for all of us is to be saved 
from our sins, forgiven of our sins, and to become a child of God. And a new identity awaits anyone who receives Jesus as Savior and submits to Him as Lord. And then you see this phrase, in Christ. It's found over 80 times in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Our previous identity was separate from Christ, apart from Christ. So we were out, but now we're in. And of course, it's our choice whether we're out or in, because it's our choice whether or not we follow Him. If we decide not to, then we remain out. If we decide to follow Him, then we are in Christ. Have you heard of this field of study called nominative determinism? It's the idea that our name often determines the direction of our lives. It asserts that names have the power to shape a person, particularly to shape their vocation. And some real-life examples of nominative determinism are Dr. Richard Payne, who's a pain management specialist. Some of you know the name Prince Fielder. He's a professional baseball player. Dr. Lee Popwell, <laughs> chiropractor. <laughs> Dr. Daniel Snowman, he's an author who's written several books on the Arctic. You know the name of Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt is the fastest man on the planet right now, and his last name is Bolt. And then there's Dr. Randall Toothacre, <laughs> who's a dentist. Dr. Zoltan Overy. <laughs> He's a gynecologist. <laughs> I happen to have a personal friend. His name is Dr. Dwayne Illman, I-L-L-M-A-N. He's a physician. So it's kind of strange, but of course, we know this theory is not 100% accurate, as in the case of Eidelman, who is a senior pastor. <laughs> Doesn't work. But listen. I definitely subscribe to nominative determinism when it comes to our identity in Christ. Since we wear the name of Jesus, then we ought to have that indicate the quality and dominate the integrity in our lives. But let's face it, there's a problem here because some who profess to be in Christ do not honor Him in their private lives and that's a problem. They may assemble with Christians for worship, but then on the weekdays, they might drop the F-bomb into their conversations or tell dirty jokes at the water cooler or visit pornographic websites or run down a coworker, or lose their temper while driving the car or pad their expense account or routinely lie or you name it. That's a problem. But the Apostle Paul says, look, you have a new identity now. The truest thing about you, the most important thing about you now is this. You are in Christ, and because you are in Christ, there should be a difference in you. One of our Crossroads young men attended his first day of college speech class, and the speech teacher suggested they get acquainted by each person telling the class his or her favorite cuss word, and why? Well, when it came to be his turn, he said, you know, I don't really have a cuss word, a favorite cuss word. Teacher said, oh, come on now. Why not? And his answer was, 
It's because I, I don't cuss. Well, the professor was stunned. So what's happening here? Well, you got a college young man, college student, who is in Christ, and he is living out his identity. In effect, he's saying, this is how I talk. I know it's different. It's because of who I am. Later, this same teacher told the class that she believes that she was a squirrel in a previous life. <laughs> now look, friends, if that's your identity, that you are a reincarnated squirrel, you look in the mirror in the morning and you're thinking, squirrel, <laughs> or lizard, or ape then that's bound to influence your approach to life. But you look in the mirror and you think to yourself, I am in Christ. This is my new identity. It will influence the way you live. Well, we also have a new character. Did you catch it in the verse? The new creation has come. And this transformation of a person's character when they are in Christ is truly amazing. Seeing this life change up close and personal is one of the things I love about church. I think most of us are probably familiar with Victor Hugo's novel, Les Miserables. Maybe you've read this 1,400-page book. Maybe you've seen the movie or the musical version. It's the inspiring story of Jean Valjean who escaped from a vile prison and while fleeing police, he was on the receiving end of kindness. He was on the receiving end of forgiveness from a priest that he had robbed the night before and experiencing the grace of God for the first time in his life completely changed his character from being an angry, violent brute to being a compassionate man who lived every day to honor God and to serve others. But throughout his life, he was relentlessly pursued by the vindictive inspector Javert. He was determined to make him pay. And at least twice, Valjean had the opportunity to take the life of Javert. And he didn't do it. In Christ, Valjean was not the same man. He had received a new character. It's stated in Ezekiel 36, 26, God makes a promise to us through the prophet, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And this is the heart transplant that we all have to have. The fictional Jean Valjean had it, and so did, so did Stuart Hamlin, Hollywood celebrity songwriter from days gone by. He was a good friend of John Wayne. You may know John Wayne's name more than Stuart Hamlin's name, but they were peers, and they hung out together, and during their wilder days, Hamlin wrote the song, I won't go hunting with you, Jake, but I'll go chasing women. Now, Jake, in that song title, is... John Wayne, I won't go hunting with you, Jake, but I'll go chasing women. Gives you a little bit of a glimpse into what their lifestyle might have been. Hamlin had a reputation for being a hard drinker and a hard liver, but in 1949, Billy Graham 
conducted a crusade in Los Angeles, and Stuart Hamlin gave his life to Jesus Christ. And his conversion was widely publicized in the valley, and his conversion was partially responsible for that crusade going on for eight weeks, and it was the Los Angeles crusade in 1949 that went on for eight weeks that propelled Billy Graham into the national spotlight and made him America's pastor. John Wayne bet him that it wouldn't last. His conversion wouldn't last, but it did. It did. And when he questioned Stuart Hamblin, his friend, about how he gave up life in the fast lane, how did you make it stick? Hamblin responded, what's well, no secret what God can do. And John Wayne said, you ought to write a song by that title. And Stuart Hamlin later wrote what was probably his most well-known and best-loved gospel song. It is no secret what God can do, what He's done for others. He'll do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. And my guess is that every one of us in this worship center and in the chapel this morning have seen this spiritual heart transplant in someone, or you've experienced it yourself. And if you haven't experienced it yourself, will you let Him make you a new creation? Will you let Him give you a new character this Christmas? Finally, what about this from our text? We also have a new life. We're talking about huge gifts here at Christmas time, a new identity, a new character a new life. The old is gone. The new is here. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John contain the four eyewitness accounts of the birth, life, and ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And they also contain the real-life stories of people who made the decision to forsake the old life and experience new life in Christ. People like the Samaritan woman. Her life was a mess. People avoided her. She was an outcast. She'd gone through five failed marriages and was shacking up with a man to whom she was not married. Then, one day, <laughs> Jesus came into her world, and it was no accident. He intended to meet her there at the well, and He gave her living water to drink, and she never thirsted again. No longer ashamed, she ran to town joyfully testifying, come meet a man who's told me everything I have ever done. She recovered her self-respect. She had security instead of fear. She had peace instead of guilt. She had forgiveness instead of condemnation. She was accepted and she was valued by God. She got it. And it changed her life. She had a new life. It can happen to anyone. It's happened to hundreds of millions of people since that day Jesus encountered her by the well. And then there was a Gadarene demoniac. Here's a demon-possessed man. His life was a mess too. This is someone's son, possibly someone's father or brother. No family, no friends. A naked, insane animal, definitely not safe to be around. He had not a shred of happiness. He had not a shred of peace. He lived among the tombs in a graveyard. You could hear his tormented screams piercing the night. And then, one day, Jesus stepped into His world, 
he confronted the man's demons and cast them into a herd of pigs. Later, when the town came out to see for themselves what had happened, they found the former demon-possessed man sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed in his right mind. Jesus cast out his fear. Jesus renewed his life. Jesus restored his joy. Jesus gave him peace. And the account of the demoniac reveals to us that no one is beyond the reach of Jesus. No one is a helpless case. He can take the lowest, he can take the meanest, he can take the most contemptible, he can take the most repulsive soul and give them new life. It can happen to anyone. So how does this gift of a new life happen for us today? It begins, it begins by realizing that we have sinned. We've got to have the humility to admit that we're not perfect, that we have sinned. That's not a stretch for most people. Then believing that Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of the living God. Confessing your faith in him as your only Savior, making him the Lord of your life. Surrendering your will to his will and being obedient. And that obedience starts with Christian baptism as mentioned in Romans chapter 6 verse 2. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There it is. Now, in order to experience new life in Christ, you do have to die. You have to die to your past. You have to die to the way you used to live, the way you used to act and react, the way you used to talk, the way you used to think. And when you die to this kind of stuff in your past, what do you do with it? Well, what do you do with dead things? Well, you bury them. So, once you accept Jesus, the first thing you do is bury your old self. And Jesus meets you there, Romans 6, 5. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection for we know that our old self was crucified with him so the body of sin might be done away with and our life changes the old has been buried the new has arisen and in this new life we think differently we act differently we see things differently we see people differently we have a different perspective on everything because Jesus now lives in us. It's illustrated well in a, the testimony of uh, our own Nick Chapman. Take a look. Hi, my name is Nick Chapman. My wife and I have been members of Crossroads since 2006 and I'm glad to be part of this family. During last year's baptism weekend, um, I don't know how it came to be, but I was the first one out from behind the curtain to be baptized that Saturday night. Now that I've gone through the actual process, an intentional decision to be baptized for the congregation, um, I think it makes my decisions, daily decisions, um, the path I think about taking my life, my family's life down more intentional. Um, it's a conscious decision to stand before a crowd or solo and be baptized 
and, uh, and so with that, you make more conscious decisions daily. To have a second chance for what Jesus has done for me um, is a very powerful thing. Uh, I think, my, well, I've made some silly decisions growing up, and uh, I'm probably going to make some silly decisions as I go along through life. But to know that those decisions have been forgiven and through my acceptance of Jesus Christ and actually falling through that baptism a year ago, basically, this past weekend, um, I'm all for eternal life. And, uh, and even though I may make mistakes going forward, uh, those past mistakes have been forgiven and uh, I'll be forgiven for those future mistakes. Um, even though you try to steer clear of them, it, it, nobody's perfect, neither am I. I don't know for sure, but I feel like there are more people in the crowd, and I feel like there are more men in the crowd who are just like me, they've accepted Jesus Christ in their heart. Uh, they're all in, but for whatever reason, something's holding them back in front of standing for the crowd and saying, uh, yes, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and be baptized by immersion. This weekend, the baptism weekend, I think is gonna offer you the perfect chance to tear that wall down and stand before this church and be baptized. It was the perfect gateway for me from the message, from the music, uh, even before they called us forward. I, I mean, I was just ready to just go do a cannonball. So why has God chosen such a simple act of obedience to kind of mark the moment of our breakover and our embrace of the new life. Well, it's because He's made us a very visual people. He's made us a very experiential people. And we need a physical event to mark the day, to mark the time of our new birth, of our new beginning. And we want every person who comes into the orbit of Crossroads Christian Church to receive this gift, these gifts of a new identity and a new character and new life in Jesus Christ. The next weekend is a special weekend we've set aside for anyone who is ready to experience Christian baptism. Anyone, as we read in the text, anyone who desires to be in Christ. And so this morning, we have these red t-shirts located on tables around the worship center. And in the chapel, you'll see them as well. They say on the front, I am new. It illustrates the theme of our worship this morning on Christmas at Crossroads. It represents the theme that we'll be exploring all during this month of December in our weekend worship. He makes all things new. And so as we worship together here in a final song, I want to invite you to go to one of those tables and to take one of those t-shirts for yourself. If you are ready to take this step of obedience and you've never done it, we invite you to take one of those t-shirts in your size on one of those tables for yourself or perhaps to get one for someone that you love. Maybe you've written a name in the chapel or here on these sidewalls on one of those ornaments and you want to get one of those shirts for the person whose name you recorded on that ornament to continue to pray for them this week, to perhaps speak to them and encourage them before next weekend. We want people next weekend to come prepared to take this step of obedient faith in Christian baptism before 2014 is out, before 2015 begins. Will you stand with me for prayer? Father in heaven, I thank you 
that Jesus brings this newness, this freshness, this vitality to our lives. And I pray that as Christ's followers, that we would never be anything but the best advertisement for the difference Jesus makes in our circles of acquaintance, our circles of influence. Lord, I pray in these moments for those who are here this weekend and hearing this message about the new creation, the gifts that our Heavenly Father wants to give to all of us. Pray, Lord, that there would be many who would cross the line and come into Christ, be found in Him. In His name we pray. Amen. powerful metaphors that identify Jesus in the Bible. Some of them are in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before he was even born. The prophet Isaiah introduced him as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then one of the dominant metaphors in the New Testament, Jesus is the light. He is the light that dispels the darkness in this world. He is the light of the world. And He is the light 
that can light every person in the world. The light begins with Him, and it reaches the world.
Jesus, the light of the world, the one who came to light the darkness and set us free and make all things new. Praise the Lord. You may extinguish your candle at this time. And as you exit this morning, we have receptacles to deposit the candles. We want to say thank you so much for coming. Guests, thank you so much as well for being here today with us. Stop by the guest gathering. It's not too late to stop by one of the sides, too, and pick up a T-shirt when we're done this, this morning. But we want to wish you, on behalf of our, our choir, our orchestra, all of us, a Merry Christmas. God bless you. Have a good day.